0: Would you please join with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for this time of year where we can just reset our bearings on that which is most important, that you have come for us, Lord Jesus Christ, and that you are coming again, that this season reminds us of. And we just pray that as we continue to walk through these passages that are confusing and difficult for us to hear, we pray that you would illumine our minds by your Holy Spirit, to see you for who you are, the gentle and lowly Savior, filled with grace and truth. For in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. What are your hopes for at the end of 2021 and going into 2022? What are you hoping for? Political tensions would subside in our culture. Gas prices might come down. COVID-19 would be less of a factor in our lives. My granddaughter would eat something other than croissants, you know, <laughs> personally. Come on, Idabel, you can do it. All right. We hope for such things. We have hopes. We every single one of us have hopes that the world would be a better place than the chaos which we find ourselves in. Amen. Zechariah is writing in a similar situation for God's people, and speaks to us today in a powerful way, as do Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, as do our Lord's words in Luke. Welcome to Hope Sunday in Advent, my friends. This is the week where we focus on the hope that we have in Christ. So turn with me in your Bibles to Zechariah 14, if you have them on your devices, or it's in the back of your bulletin. Since we're in Advent, I would encourage you to pray The the collect that we prayed at the beginning of the service is a collect which, in our tradition, we pray it every day to keep this Advent focus that, you know, what we are experiencing now will not always be. He's risen from the dead. He's ascended to heaven. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. We just said that, right? And he's praying for us, and he's going to come again to establish a new heaven and new earth. We believe that. And therefore, let's reinforce that to one another as we look at these passages. And today's readings remind us that in Christ's kingdom, our hope is absolutely indestructible. Zechariah is set after the return of the exiles from Babylon after 70 years. Jeremiah spoke that there would be 70 years away and then they would start to trickle back. And so the book of Ezra have Zechariah and Haggai together challenging and motivating the people to rebuild the temple and to look for the fulfillment of God's promises. And so afterwards, they knew that God would restore, when they built the temple, God would restore his presence among them when the new temple was built, and there would be the rule of the Messiah to all nations. So the beginnings of Zechariah, chapters 1 through 8, Are are described as these bizarre. You think your dreams are weird? Read Zechariah one through eight. All right, I'm serious. You know, it's really you you get into prophecy and and visions, and they're really bizarre, but they have meaning for us. Life back in this land was hard for the Jews. And they were wondering whether these promises that God had made to them would ever come true. And the book of Zechariah offers an explanation. And so what happens is they're asking these questions. Is it time for God's kingdom to be established? Is it going to come soon, Zechariah? And Zechariah reminds them again and again how their ancestors rejected God's call upon their lives And therefore, that led them into exile, not because of God's lack of faithfulness to them. And so he says to these returning exiles, whose grandfathers and grandmothers were the unfaithful ones, he says, this generation will see the messianic kingdom only if they pursue justice and peace and remain faithful to the covenant. So in other words, Zechariah reverses it back upon the people. He asks, are we going to be the kind of people who are ready to receive and participate in the kingdom of God? And that question in Zechariah is kind of left hanging there in chapters 1 through 8. So you come to this final section where it's a collection of poems and images of the future messianic kingdom in Zechariah. And they describe the coming of a humble messianic king who's riding on a donkey to establish God's kingdom over the nations. But then all of a sudden, this king is symbolized as a shepherd being a f- watching over his flock, Israel. And first, he's rejected by his own people, but then also by their leaders. So God hands Israel over to these corrupt shepherds and raises the question, will Israel's rejection of their king last forever? Then chapter 10 comes along and says, No. It won't last forever. It's another mosaic of poems and promises and images about the future Messianic kingdom where we see it fulfilled here in chapter 14 with the coming day of the Lord. And when you read prophecy, brothers and sisters, you, we, it's tough to re- not read things in a Western style literally. You know, this happened and this happened, and this happened. It's not necessarily the case. We have to read this text with non-Western eyes, and we have to read the full counsel of the Word of God. And that's when it really begins to come together. Because in verses 1 through 5, which you have is a perfect description of what happened in AD 70 when the Roman general Titus sacked Jerusalem. The zealot army had taken over, attacked Rome, driven Rome out of Israel, and they said, all right, we're free from Roman rule. And Titus, the general, said, I don't think so. And so they surrounded Jerusalem with the Roman legions. They captured Jerusalem, tore the second temple down. And all these events that happened in verses 1 through 5 actually were recorded both in the scripture as well as in non-biblical sources, what the Jews went through. But notice in the second half of verse 5, The tone changes. Then the Lord my God will come and all the holy ones with him. Keep in our minds, as Peter says, a day to the Lord is a thousand years. Right? So since our Lord ascended, it's been a couple days. In his mind. We live 70, 80, 90 years, but not to the Lord. And there's a coming day. He says, and on that day, verse 6, we have a weather forecast. There'll be no light, cold, or frost. Then there should be a unique day, which is known to the Lord, neither day nor night, but at evening time there shall be light. Zechariah is seeing an image of the new earth. It's throughout the Old Testament as well as the new that one day, The new earth will be established for all God's people. We will live forever. You see, we think in the Western church like like Plato, quite frankly. You know, I die and I go to heaven and I get to play golf for eternity. Where do we get that idea? Where do we get that idea? I don't know. What the text says is that to be at home with Jesus is to be better than here suffering. We'll be in the presence of Jesus. When we die, we'll get Jesus. And then one day, sorry, one day he'll bring us back to a physical existence because in Genesis 1 and 2, we were created good, whole, and we will live forever. We're in eternity now and forevermore. That's what Zechariah is describing here. And this coming day is beautiful. And in this city becomes a new garden of Eden. There's a river of living water flowing out of the temple, bringing healing to all the creation. And on that day, verse 8, living waters shall flow out from Jerusalem, half of them to the eastern sea and half of them to the western sea. It shall continue in summer as in winter. All year long, healing waters flowing from the temple, bringing blessing to the entire world. That's what we have to look forward to, that the chaos that we're in right now will not last forever. And the lectionary writers want us to know that that's our hope. It's a great hope, better than anything this world is selling. And we see this in Revelation 22. All right, so here's John, imprisoned on the island of Patmos, and he receives this vision. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, There will be no need for a lamp or light or sun, for the Lord God will be their light. And they will reign forever and ever. (laughs) That's what we have to look forward to. There will be a day of no more tears, no more crying, no more Niki A's, falling out hair. You know, anybody who's over 40, you know what I mean. Right? I mean, no more suffering. That's the new heaven, the new earth. And so Zechariah leaves us to ponder these connections from chapters 1 through 8 with these weird dreams to 9 to 14, and the point seems to be that this future messianic kingdom of the book's second half will only come when God's people are faithful to the covenant in the first half. There will be a new heaven. There will be a new Jerusalem. There will be a new earth. And so he sends out his followers to announce that this eternal, this eternal life is available to us now. It's something we possess now, in the present. We can all experience eternal life now. Jesus said that eternal life is knowing this God of love so that our imaginations can be transformed as we're liberated to love God and love one another well. That's what it's like to be in his kingdom. And so this is how the Bible, the story of the Bible ends. The ending is the new beginning with Jesus and the new humanity ruling in a united heaven on earth together as described in Revelation 20 to 22. So if you go back this afternoon and begin to read through Re- Zechariah, I warn you, it's a roller coaster. All right? And poems are filled with startling imagery. They do not follow a linear flow of thought. And that's part of the point. It's kind of like human history in our lives. It doesn't always fit into neat and orderly patterns, does it? But the prophet offers us glimpses of God's hand at work in our lives and in history and guiding history to his own purposes. So ultimately, Zechariah invites us to participate in the hope above the chaos of our world the hope of coming of God's kingdom, which should motivate us in the present and in the future. This Advent, may it be so. Pastor Paul Gerhardt in the 17th century during the Thirty Years' War, which was awful in Germany, his family was forced to flee from his home, and one night they stayed at a village inn. They're homeless now. They didn't know where to go next. They were afraid. And his wife broke down, just in uncontrollable despair. To comfort her, he reminded her of the scriptural promises that God will care for his people. And so then, after ministering to her, he goes out into the garden, and he wept uncontrollably. He felt he'd come to his darkest hour, and soon afterward... After just going to the Lord, he felt the burden lifted and sensed anew the Lord's presence. Taking his pen, he wrote a hymn that has given comfort to many throughout the years. Quote, give to the winds thy fears, hope and be undismayed. God hears thy sighs and counts thy tears. God shall lift up thy head through waves and clouds and storms he gently clears the way wait thou his time so shall the night soon end and joyous day even in our darkest times brothers and sisters god makes his presence known and he uses our troubles and our sufferings show us that he is the only true source of strength what trials are you facing today what chaos Do you find yourself in the midst of? Take heart. Put yourself in God's hands. Wait for his timing. He will give you a song for the night. We're in his kingdom now. We're blessed to be a blessing, to demonstrate that his kingdom is real. And the community says, what will we ever do without them? For the day is coming, says the Lord when these three texts will be realized. And the Lord will be king over all the earth. So to use the words of our Lord, straighten your heads, rise up, raise them, because your redemption is drawing near. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this season where we are ever so reminded that the chaos which we find ourselves in will not last forever. And that the coming day is real. Your kingdom is real in us and through your people. Blessed to be a blessing. And Lord, may we be so to one another and others as you give us opportunity. And that Lord Jesus, in every way, you will be glorified in our midst this Advent season. So help us to straighten up Raise our heads, for salvation is at hand, and you are coming. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.